Welcome to the 8th Frontline Gastroenterology Podcast of 2015, related to the FG debate on Tuesday the 22nd of September 2015, entitled Frontline Gastroenterology, Supporting Women in Gastroenterology. My name is Dr. Philip Smith, I'm the trainee editor of Frontline Gastroenterology and a registrar in London, and I am delighted to introduce Dr. Catherine Edwards, who is a consultant gastroenterologist at Torbay Hospital in South Devon. Dr. Edwards became a consultant in 2002, having trained in gastroenterology in Oxford. Prior to her career in medicine, she read Modern History at Queen's College, Oxford, and she also had a postgraduate training in medicine, accumulating in a MRC fellowship, supporting her Doctor of Philosophy studies into mucins in the defunction colorectum. Her clinical interests are IBD, the microscopic lithides, anorexia nervosa, and upper GI cancer. She has several national roles in IBD, including the National IBD Audit Sterling Committee and the National IBD Registry Board. She was the IBD Associate Editor of Frontline Gastroenterology until 2012 and the previous editor of CCUK News. She is the clinical lead for IBD in her own hospital, South Devon Healthcare Foundation Trust. She became the first woman secretary of the BSG in 2011. And as the BSG's Senior Secretary, she was responsible for running the 2014 and 2015 annual meetings, setting up a taster membership scheme for the Society, and more latterly has launched with colleagues a BSG network to support women in their gastroenterology careers. Dr. Edwards, thank you very much for doing this podcast to accompany your excellent Twitter debate, which you co-chaired with a number of other SWIG founding members. In that, you include a number of slides, and a summary of those slides will be on a, a link underneath this podcast. Dr. Redwoods, as the father of two daughters and the husband of a pediatrician, and someone that works with many female gastroenterologists, the SWIG project to me seems incredibly important. But for our listeners, can you explain briefly how the idea was developed to support a network for women, and how it came about, and why it's necessary? Yes, thanks very much, Phil. So why did the network come about? Well, I think in the first instance, it came about because we wanted to raise awareness of the fact that there has been significant gender discrepancy in our specialty, and notably also within the BSG itself. And before we help support and promote women uh, on an equal footing in their careers, it's important to ask an open question about why women are not selecting gastroenterology, if that is indeed the case, and what motivates them to stay within the specialty uh, when they do choose it. This is really about cultural change and creating uh, an atmosphere within the society and within our specialty and an expectation that women will naturally put themselves forward, something that doesn't happen either in the business world or in our specialty as it stands, and something that Cheryl Sandberg in her writing and her book Lean In says is a natural tendency of women to lean out ever before their careers really kick in. So we wanted to ask the question, why is this happening? I was also very surprised to learn that when I put myself forward to interview for the role of secretary at the BSG, that in fact there had never been a woman in that particular executive role in the history of the society. And I have to say I was very surprised about that fact. 
Thank you. So what is the overall vision for SWIG for now and for the future? The immediate vision for SWIG was to define the problem of recruitment of women to a specialty. We are very aware that in general there has been a feminization of the medical workforce and we know from the recent workforce data that there will be a shortage of gastroenterologists in the future. The problem for gastroenterology is if it doesn't attract from the full workforce availability, i.e. men and women, we will be depriving ourselves of the opportunity of expanding our workforce in a way that's appropriate and viable for the specialty's survival. So this is not just about attracting women long-term, it's going to be attracting the best and the brightest to our specialty, recognizing that there's been a big trend towards the feminization of the workforce overall in medicine. The second thing is to encourage women to step forward into senior leadership roles in the BSG. And in creating a network, we're asking a different question. Are women going to be more attracted to contributing to the society through a rather looser structure of a network with task and finish groups where you can provide input into BSG-supported projects uh, that don't require long-term committee adherence and attendance? And is this a better way for the BSG overall to start engaging its membership in participation? Membership engagement for a membership society is a very high priority for the BSG. And it's important, again, that we attract all our members, men and women, to participate. Thank you. Um, so I understand that a pilot mentoring scheme is underway. Can you describe this and explain what the aims and the expected or hoped outcomes from this are? So one of the first couple of things we've set ourselves as a task and finish project is the mentoring scheme. The other is the survey which will be published shortly about women's attitudes and men's attitudes to choosing careers in gastroenterology. But the mentoring scheme itself has been identified as an opportunity to trial for the BSG the benefits of developing bespoke mentoring in the context of career development for its membership. And we know that women find it difficult to access mentorship. And for that reason, we have limited this pilot to female trainees and female consultants within the first five years of their consultancy. Mentoring, as I'm sure most of our listeners know, is a learning relationship which can help people to take charge of their own development and to release their potential and achieve results which they value. I should stress it's a reciprocal relationship, so there's benefit to both mentor and mentee. And certainly the BSG has adopted a developmental mentorship model in this trial. We're very keen to have some hard evidence that it's beneficial uh, as a membership benefit, and therefore we're running this as a pilot and as a qualitative piece of research with full ethics approval. And we've identified 40 mentees and 40 mentors to run this pilot over 12 months. This will be fully written up, analyzed, and reported, and then published. We're hoping that the mentorship program itself will, if successful, then be taken on as a key membership benefit and will be rolled out to the wider society. 
And we can see how that might be beneficial to specific subgroups, be they an academic, a clinician subgroup, be they a scientist in medicine subgroup of non-medics, or potentially to our nursing colleagues who are uh, numerous amongst our society members and very active within the society itself. So I think this offers huge opportunity for the BSG to take mentorship, which has been valued and, and noted as a key area to engage members and women in their specialty to see if we can then roll this out to the wider society. Thank you. Now, finally, what will success look like with SWIG uh, overall in the end? Well, I think it's important that we identify how we can measure our success. I would like to think, and I know that there are focused projects going ahead within the BSG that promote a formal recognition of a gender equality program within the society. And this will be in the form of a strategy for the BSG, and the communication of this will be a key achievement for the network over the next few years. I think the adoption of a society-wide mentoring program would again be a milestone achievement. It would take a very focused trial and roll out to the wider society's benefit. And if we can see and identify this after the publication of the mentoring program's experience, this will be a good measure of success. We also have very good workforce data, which we do in association with the RCP. And watching the translation of improved female trainee numbers coming through over the next two to five years would be a measure of the impact of this particular movement within the society. And close to my heart would be the more visible senior leadership roles, uh, particularly on the executive and council, competed for by women. And I think the network can help promote and encourage women to step forward for these roles, both in terms of interviewed positions and in terms of the elected positions within council. Thank you very much, Dr. Edson, and thank you for your excellent Twitter debate and also this podcast. But also thank you to Dr. Jane Eden, Dr. Penny Neal, Dr. Melanie Lockett, Dr. Sue and Thomas Gibson, and Dr. Alenka Brooks for helping with the FG debate. The slides from the Twitter debate will be available to look at in a link for this podcast. And once again, thank you, Dr. Edwards. The next FG debate is with Professor Rebecca Fitzgerald from Tuesday, the 6th of October, 2015. And this will be slightly earlier than usual at 7 to 8 p.m. And we'll discuss frontline Barrett's screening, surveillance, and therapy. And it's a UEGW special debate. We hope you can join us in the hashtag FGDebate. Debate.